Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Thursday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online with you at supertalk.fm. Glad to have you along for the ride on a chilly Halloween Thursday. Richard Cross, Michael Borky out today. Will East sitting in for him. Brian Haydad and Brian Scott Rippey. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing or refinancing needs of any kind, Mississippi Land Bank can help. We, we, we talk about farming and farmers and farmland all the time and building a dream house and recreational property. Think about this. If you buy a piece of property, uh, a piece of land, yeah, maybe you got a spot to hunt. Maybe you got a spot to, to fish or just get away. But also on days like this where you're not entirely sure if you want your kids to be out trick-or-treating or if they're a little bit older, you're not sure what they're going to get into, use Mississippi Land Bank to buy a piece of property and you can host the Halloween party and keep an eye on what your kids are doing. And you get to control the bonfire and the uh, spookiness and all that good stuff. Uh, just an example, uh, Mississippi Land Bank, it, it's not one size fits all. They will work with you for whatever your land financing and refinancing needs are. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. So happy Halloween. Game 7 last night. We'll get to a full recap of that coming up in uh, just a little bit. Hey, Dad, what's up? Not much. How are you today? I'm looking forward to the dad tax tonight. Yeah, you're you're a big steal your kids can, uh, candy guy. Oh, oh, steal? Yes. It's a tax. Taxes are perfectly legal. It's what you. Uh, it's what. It's not a fair tax. How is it not fair? No, no. I mean, fair tax in the sense that like a, a fair tax would be okay. We raise the tax on gasoline because everybody that uses the road and buys gasoline pays for it. This is not a fair tax. This is an arbitrary tax decided on by you and only you for your benefit and not the benefit of anyone else. Well, first off, you can Google search dad tax and find out that it's not just for me. But huh. secondly, my, my children live in the house rent free. Yeah, I can take some of their Reese's and Snickers if I want. Oh, so you're going to steal the good candy. You're not just stealing what's, candy. What, what am I going to steal? Not the taking, Smarties? Let's steal the Smarties and the Tootsie Rolls? My God, man, have some taste. Oh, yeah. Do you, um, will your kids go trick or treating? Uh, the youngest will. The, the oldest one said she didn't want to tonight. Okay. She's, she's finally grown out of it, I guess. So will you go along for the, uh, the trick or treating walk or will you sit on the porch and be the distributor of candy? The oldest and I are staying home to distribute candy. The youngest and my wife are going to take the, the walk. And will you dress up? I'm wearing my costume right now. Tell it. I, I went. See, you're not a pro wrestling fan. You're not going to get it. But I went as uh, Arn Anderson. 
and uh, my partner, podcast partner Joel Coleman, went as Ric Flair, and here we are. Went as what you you went to the radio station as to record your podcast? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. As long as you're able to wait, wait, wait. Hey, Dad. Hey, Dad. If you're dressing yeah. up as Arn Anderson, it either means A, you have no shirt on, or B, you tore the on. sleeves off the shirt that you do have no, on. Because I, those I, are I the went, two things that he well wore. If you you got to look a little deeper, and I found I got a polo shirt on. I'm wearing no undershirt today because that's what Double A would wear. I, I, I normally am an undershirt guy. I'm wearing a watch, which I would never wear, and I bought some sunglasses, which I can't wear for anything more than a picture because I can't see in them. So you could get prescription sunglasses. I could, but they don't just have those on the shelf at Walmart. Hold on a second. You're telling me this is a costume. I'm looking at the picture of you and Joel Coleman. You have on a golf shirt that has stripes. Yeah, that's what. And you have on sunglasses, and you say a watch, and that's your costume. Yeah, yeah. Look just like him. I'm sorry. I'm giving you a failing grade on your costume because if you dress like normal people and nobody knows what your costume is without you explaining it to them, that's not really a costume. Well, I can't help you, Richard. I, I, what, are, what are you supposed to be? You know, just some guy? Hey, random guy. Great costume. Yep. Not doing a costume. Cause, oh, okay. But I've dressed the same as you were today. I mean, I can go out to the truck and grab some sunglasses and I'm dressed just like you. I'm wearing socks. I have socks on as well today. Oh, well, okay. Well, never mind. In fact, I went home and changed clothes before I came to the studio because we're going straight to trick-or-treating tonight and uh, added a little bit of a base layer, got some wool socks on, Good brought call. an extra coat. It's going to be cold tonight. Yes, it is. Not. It's not so much that 39 to 41 degrees is just bone-chillingly cold. It's cold. It certainly is cold for Mississippi. To me, the cold, Rippy, tell me if you agree with this, the the reason it feels like cold to the core is because it was 68, 69, 70, 71 degrees yesterday. The 30-degree drop in 18 hours is kind of what makes it cold. I think the temperature's got a pretty big factor in that as well. Oh, jeez. Uh, but yesterday was... Well, actually, guy... I mean, yesterday was fine. I don't... I, the change in temperature doesn't really bother me. I mean, cold Yesterday cold. was golf weather. It was perfect golf weather, except for the fact that it was wet. But I don't think colder because it was hot yesterday. You don't think so? I don't. You don't think it's more of a shock to your system? I think that's a preference thing. I do not. I just... So if it had been 90 yesterday... And 45 today, you don't think that would be more of a shock to assist the system than if it had been 48 yesterday and it's 45 today? I probably would have read some message boards about global warming and such. But other than that, I wouldn't care. It's about the same to me. Aside from that, uh, are you doing Halloween stuff tonight? I am not. We might have candy at our house. I don't know if kids come through like our part of town. Well, I mean, you live in the middle of downtown. That's being generous. Um, What? Well, like that bottom of the hill by... This is not good radio, but like where I like I I've I've lived in that area of town for a while, and there's like a spot that I've lived where the kids like do come through. But the spot I'm in now, down at that bottom part, I would didn't notice last two years. Cause I lived three doors down the year before. Okay, so I guess we'll. This is a house in which you're actually paying rent, as usual, as always. Yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, I I don't know if kids will come down to the bottom. Have you bought to candy to prepare for the possibility of kids coming down the hill? No, but I guess I should do that on my way home. 
I'm one of my roommates may have taken care for it. I came home the other day with, to a gigantic spider on the roof and then some kind of like ghost thing on our door. Uh-huh. I guess one of them got festive. I don't know. I had heard. Would you feel like the world's biggest jerk if like some six year olds knocked on the door in full costume wanting candy and you had nothing to offer them? <laughs> All right, actually, here's I the better question. Just give them advice, yeah, Rippy. I don't think they want that. N- never mind the uh, the would you feel like a jerk. If you felt it necessary to give them something for their effort and you had no candy, what would you give them from your house that is there right now? That would be tough. I don't know. Depends on how old the kid is. It's like, middle school, hey, kid, want a white claw? I don't know. Other than that, probably not. <laughs> There's no loss. No, I, I, I don't know. I don't think we have anything in there. That's why I probably need to go get something. I wouldn't actually give a kid a white claw. Just kidding. But a uh, point being that I lived, Wait, you're kidding about giving it or not giving it? Giving it, giving it. But the point, my overall point was I lived very close to where I live now last year, and no one came by. Like, I think we were prepared, but no one came by. Fair enough. Ceasefire text line is open, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. Not a poll question per se, but I would love your responses. Same question I just asked Rippy. Let's say that you completely forgot that it was Halloween. And trick-or-treaters, not necessarily hundreds of them, but a couple of them showed up at your door expecting for you to put something into their bag. If you didn't have any candy, what that is available in your living quarters right now would you give the trick-or-treaters? What about it, Will? Popcorn. Would you pop popcorn or would you give them like an unpopped package of Orville Redenbacher? An unopened package of Orville Redenbacher or, you know, just anything that you got in the cupboard that you don't really want. It's been in there for a while. Just now's a good time to clean it out. If you have the homemade popper, you just go grab a bunch of kernels and stick it in the kid's bag. Yeah. Yeah. Probably wouldn't enjoy that. Uh, C Spire text line, David and Tupelo says, I would give them ice cubes. Brad in Burnsville goes with Twinkie and Honey Buns. Jeff says beer. Uh, Rippy should be like Borky, pretend that they are carolers and send them away. I'm not going to like shoo a kid away. I just, we, I guess we should have been prepared. I don't know. There may be candy at our house. I'm not sure. David in Indianola wants to know if you just admitted to having white claws in the fridge. Yeah, we do have white claws in the fridge. I'm not particularly a white claw fan, but I do know there are a bunch in our fridge. Amanda in Pike uh, County says she would give either pennies or granola bars. Brad in Burnsville, couple of cans of Vienna sausage. Oh, I, I got, got a friend that does hot dogs. Uh, somebody said coins. Darren and Jackson, I've got a fresh mess of turnip greens I haven't cooked yet. I would share that with the kids. Oh, David and Baldwin, good, good answer. He says pop tarts. Uh, several of people offering change. Like I would reach into my change jar and give them a handful. I can you, do that. You pull the quarters out first. Yes. Depends on the kid's attitude. Ramen noodles or tea candles? Uh, Richard and Wiggins says, just tell them you'll be right back and then never return. Sports Talk Mississippi. What happened in Game 7? Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Are you ready? On the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and always on your local Super Talk Mississippi station. 
one of my kids wanted to listen to Halloween music. I had trouble finding the original uh, version of Ghostbusters. I found it originally, but uh, there's a new version of, uh, well, I guess multiple new versions of Ghostbusters. It's um, a little bit different. So Ava Montgomery asked me, Will, hey, will you play my family? You know, the one that goes, da 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 I was like, that's not my family. That's the <laughs> Adams family. And she goes, so I started playing the Adams family. She goes, no, no, not that one. There's a song called My Family, and it sounds the same. So I click on it. It's um, My Family from the new version of the Adams family uh, featuring Migos, Carol G, Snoop Dogg, and Rock Mafia. Oh. A lot going it's on. It's actually pretty good. Snoop's in a kid friendly deal? Um, yeah, maybe. I think we started with Monster Mash and then went from there. Transition from college basketball to kid kids music. Yeah. <laughs> Wonder if he had the same issues as he had at Kansas with the kids music. I don't know. I, no, no, this is not kids music. It's not. It's catchy though. Uh, game seven last night. Got an NFL game tonight. Couple of college games involving undefeated teams tonight. Conversation with Ole Miss basketball coach Kermit Davis coming up a little bit later this afternoon. He had some interesting thoughts. We dug down a little bit on uh, name, image, and likeness. And the perspective of coaches looking at this maybe is a little bit different than a guy on the Internet who's convinced that uh, he can come up with all the problems to the answers in the world in 180 characters or less. Lee Sterling joins us from Paramount Sports. And that's not specific to Kermit Davis. I think that's more general to coaches across the board and administrators and whatnot uh 260 now whatever it used to be 140 right it should be like two it's 260 okay uh mike frazier from juco weekly joins us we'll get ready for the macjc playoffs which begin on saturday and then uh complete look at the college football schedule coming up this weekend that's all this afternoon let's start though with game seven of the world series last night where your washington nationals win by a final of six to two patrick corbin was outstanding in relief for Max Scherzer. Three innings, no runs allowed, three strikeouts, did not walk a batter. He got the win. Will Harris took the loss out of the bullpen for Houston in the ballgame. Uh, Houston led one to nothing after two. They added a run in the bottom of the fifth. They were up two to nothing. Seventh inning bit Houston again as Washington scored three, including a couple of home runs in the top of the seventh, added a run in the eighth, two insurance runs in the top of the ninth, and the Nationals win the World Series, the first World Series title for that franchise ever, leaving six teams in Major League Baseball that have never won a World Series. Seven games, all seven games in the series won by road teams, it was a happy bunch of Washington Nationals after it was all said and done. What'd you think last night, Rip? Thought it was a really entertaining game. Um, I mean, everyone always wants to like point to like a managerial thing or something like that, but I just thought the Astros bullpen wasn't very good, and the Nationals really just kind of never quit. Like the Astros had five, six chances early in the game to really kind of blow, put it away. Like even early on, they go up four or five runs and never did. And, you know, that's a dangerous team not to do that, too. And the game turned very quickly. I mean, it went it from went from them having eight outs away and a two-run lead to Howard, Washington's leading, and you're not really sure how, in a span of probably like, what, eight, nine minutes of real time? Maybe not even that long. So the turn of the game was kind of shocking. And then after that, the Nationals really never 
let their foot off the gas. And there were some opportunities because the Nationals had, a, or excuse me, the Astros had a bunch of hits early in the game, but left runners on base all over the place, couldn't get the run across, spoiled a really good outing by Zach Greinke um, last night. You know, I think there's one thing that you can look at. If you want to look at kind of middle of the order or two, three, four, five for the Nationals, Eaton was one for four, Rendon was one for four. His home run felt like it broke the ice for the Nationals, who hadn't really been able to do anything offensively. He yanked one over the left field wall, short porch, and left. Uh, Juan Soto had another big game. Howie Kendrick with another monster game last night. Those guys in the middle of the order drove in six, uh, all six runs for the uh, Nationals. Conversely, top four in the lineup for the Astros that have been so good in the playoffs and so good really all season long combined to go two for 16. You had Springer 0 for 4, Altuve 1 for 5, Brantley 1 for 4, and Alex Bregman 0 for 3. So it didn't happen at the top of the order for the Astros, and ultimately you get the win. Pitching. Thought it was going to be good, turned out good, uh, at least for the most part. Max Scherzer, 5 innings, 7 hits, 2 earned runs, 3 strikeouts, kept the Nats in it. Corbin lockdown mode. And then uh, Daniel Hudson came on at the end and was outstanding with a couple of strikeouts, including a strikeout of uh, Brantley to end the ball game and uh, Lee Bregman standing on deck. Zach Greinke, really good. Six and a third, two hits, two earned runs, three strikeouts. He threw 80 pitches. Uh, I saw somebody say it was like he was in a rocking chair out there for you know the better part of the ball game, just kind of easing on through and carving guys up. He was really good, and then it just immediately got spoiled behind him. But he pitched about as well as you possibly could on uh, I mean, it wasn't really a terrible pitch to Rendon. The, uh, I kind of felt bad for the reliever that gave up the pitch to Howie Kendrick because that was like a perfect pitch. I don't know how in the world he pushed that out of the ballpark. That was really just – there's nothing really you could do about that one. Yeah, good swing, strong guy. He goes down and hits a cut shot down the right field line that hits the foul pole and is a home run. Yeah, I saw a quote after where he just said that's a good hitter making a championship play, and I know that sounds like a canned answer, but I think that's probably true. I mean, I don't really know what else you could do with that. I was actually surprised that, like, that thing shot off the bat pretty quick, and I thought it was, like, down the line for a double, thinking they were going to tie the game, and then all of a sudden it clanks off the foul pole and they have a lead, and yeah, you felt like Houston was probably done after that just because of the sheer shock value of how quickly that game turned. Yeah, but yeah, I agree with you on that front. I don't think there's anything else they could have done differently, though. It just kind of happened the way it happened. I mean, they had four chances to win one game at home throughout this series that would have eventually sealed it. Now, really, it was two chances to win one because, like, in hindsight, 2020 winning three games in Washington is probably more impressive than you know losing two at home, as is hard to imagine. But they come back with two chances to win one with Verlander and uh, Greeky and couldn't do it. Hey, Dad, you said at the start of the series, and I don't know that it was some deep analytical dive, you just felt like there was something that was kind of special about this Nationals team with the way they had uh, righted the ship and the way they had gone so far in the playoffs, and ultimately they get the win in awfully impressive fashion. They honestly reminded me a lot of some of the Giants teams that won the World Series that I paid a lot of attention to. They're just gritty. Sometimes, sometimes there's something more than analytics at play. It's not often, but sometimes it is, and you just tell by watching them the way they continued to come back. They would they had that never give up attitude. That, that there's something that it was going to take you know seven games to get to this, and and they're able to do it. You know, so congrats to them. And uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they can build off of it because I mean, you know, Scherzer and Strasburg are obviously very good. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Rendon, their 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 offensive sort of spark plug this whole time. I think he's he's going to be a free agent, and they have to re-sign him. Is that correct? 
Yeah, he's a free agent. I, I, he's about to be rich. I saw a stat yeah. with him last night that so he has seven or he has six or seven plate appearances, plate appearances in the seventh inning or later of their elimination games. And in those plate appearances, he went walk, double, homer, double, homer, double, homer. Pretty good. I think he recorded it out. (laughs) Yeah. For people that don't believe in clutch, good Lord. Do they also have to sign Strasburg in the offseason? No, I'm pretty sure he's still under contract. Isn't there another big – is it Corbin they've got to – No, they just – it may be – hold on. No, Corbin is in his first year of a multi-year deal. That's right. I was thinking there was somebody besides Rendon that they've got to sign – to a big deal. I'm look, yeah. but regardless of that, I mean, this is a, yeah. a good team with a lot of good pieces. Juan Soto is obviously a very much a budding superstar. Uh, Scherzer and Strasburg are as good a one-two as there is in the league, so the potential is there for more. He's, he's under contract through 2024. That's what I thought. He signed a huge extension in 2016. Who are you talking about, Strasburg? Yeah. Okay. A.J. Hinch is going to be questioned, and I think he's even questioning himself on a couple of fronts. One, um, when he went to the bullpen, he chose to um, he chose to go to Will Harris instead of going to Garrett Cole, who had been up and throwing. Obviously, Garrett Cole's been a starter, not a reliever. Said kind of after the fact that if they had gotten the lead, they wanted Garrett Cole to try and shut it down at the end. So the two things that he's going to be second-guessed on were, after throwing only 80 pitches, did it really make sense to yank Zach Greinke there as good as he had been? And two, if you're going to pull Zach Greinke, was it the right decision to bring in Will Harris? Not because of the result, but because you had Garrett Cole seemingly ready to go. Well, Garrett Cole had never pitched on short rest before. Will Harris has kind of been the guy all year that they had just to kind of get out of I forget in the post game. I read something last night. I forget what AJ Hinch called him, but he's basically the guy that they bring in when everything just goes haywire. And that wasn't necessarily the case last night, but that's kind of their most trusted reliever. So I don't have a problem with that. If you want to argue they should have left Green in longer, okay. But he'd pitched later in the playoffs than he'd pitched in his entire career, basically. I'm pretty sure. So he, he, he had question to have it, said, but I don't think he the Cole thing was a mistake. Grinky had to have said, "I'm done." There's no way he would have pulled him otherwise. I don't think. I don't know. I think when A.J. Hinch went to the mound, it was to pull Grinky out at that point. Vegas doing what Vegas does. World Series odds for 2020 are already out. Plus, there are six remaining MLB teams that have never hoisted the World Series trophy. We'll tell you who they are when we come back in the Renaissance Bank studio. Back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Sounds good. Well, Mattress Max got something to look forward to. Astros fans, including Mattress Mac, who saw their team suffer the biggest World Series upset in 29 years, can take solace in the fact that the Strohs are the favorites to win next year's World Series. At 4-1, to one, the Astros, the favorites as named by Caesars, followed by the Dodgers and the Yankees at 5-1, to one, the Red Sox and the Braves at 10-1. to one. The Washington Nationals, who, when we roll into spring training, will be the reigning world champs, Sixth highest odds at fourteen to one 
to win the 2020 World Series. Makes sense. I mean, the Astros returned Verlander, Grinky, eight and nine position players, Will Harris and Ozuna, and they probably won't like sit idle on the hot stove. Yeah. Uh, where do you think Garrett Cole ends up? Anaheim? Just a guess. You don't think he'd look good in pinstripes? I mean, he went to school five miles from the Angel Stadium, the whole Joe Madden thing. The Angels are not, like, bashful about spending money on free agents in the slightest. Makes sense. But, again, those things with baseball are hard to follow. Like, who had Manny Machado pegged to the Padres? Yeah, no, that's a good point. When when you look at the Angels right now, with them going out and getting Joe Madden, having the best player in the game in Mike Trout, and having some other decent pieces. Like they, they, Shohei Otani, who can pitch and hit. Shohei Otani. I think he'll probably pitch maybe some next year. I remember he had Tommy John last right. season and wasn't obviously wasn't able to pitch at all. But, like, people forget, like, one, you've never seen that before, and two, like, he was pitching at a plus level and hitting at a plus level at the same time. The problem is it's just nobody. It's kind of like Trout. It's like, not that many people paid attention, but, like, that's something to look out for, too, if he's healthy. Point being there. It feels like the Angels are at a spot where it's time to make some moves and spend some money and take two or three years to try and make a run at a World Series, right? I mean, yeah, but they already have spent money over the like. It's like it's weird deal. Like I don't disagree with what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. Because we talk about windows all the time. Well, it's almost like they're wasting one. They're wasting the talent of one of the like a you know generational player. But it's almost they're like wasting the money they spent they've spent on free agent acquisitions already. So if the answer to that is to spend more and like ensure you win, yeah, like sure, I don't necessarily disagree with that. Problem is they've been hampered by that pool holes contract for a long time. Is it over? Uh it it's got a couple of years left, doesn't it? Let's see. This was such a bad deal every time I relook it up. I mean he's seventy four years old at this point. He can't be playing that much longer at twenty million a year. It was a massive deal. There are six remaining teams in Major League Baseball that have never won the World Series. The Nationals marked themselves off of that list last night. They became a franchise in 1969 as the Montreal Expos moved to the nation's capital in 2005 and got their first ever World Series title as a franchise last night. What are the details? They have, they pay him 28 next year and 30 in 2021. He's going to make $58 million over the next two years. You tell me who was smarter, the uh, the Angels or the St. Louis Cardinals? Yeah. I mean, the, obviously, the smartest one is Albert Pujols for somehow rigging that. His agent is the smart one. Yes. But, I mean, it's not like... Like, he played, what? I mean, he was mostly healthy most of the year. He hit 23. Three home runs and drove in ninety three. It's not like he's a complete dud, but that kind of money for a guy that age and you know, I mean, he slugged four thirty in a seven thirty four OPS. Like it's not like a yeah. You're trying to talk yourself into it. He's thirty nine. He's yeah, going no, to make no. forty next year. He's going to make twenty eight million dollars next year as a forty year old. Sure, but it's not like he shouldn't be on a major league roster and you're paying him that kind of money. Like I was trying to think of a comparable thing where teams are pay, basically paying a guy that literally can't play major league baseball anymore. Yeah. Chris Davis. Yeah, okay, that's fair. So, 
not good by any means. Like I'm not justifying it, but at least like he'll be competent if they do add somewhere else. But yeah, that the answer to that would be yes. Hey, Dad, are you looking at the list of the six teams that have never made the World Series, or have you? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, no. I mean, if you're not, I want to see if you can name them. Never won one. That have never won a World Series. I could have gotten at least four. Okay, Rippy, can you do it? Or are you looking at it also? I'm not looking at it. I'm looking at the pools. Can thing. you name the six teams that have never won a World Series? Brewers, correct. Seattle's the one that's never been to one. Only remaining team to have never appeared in a World Series. The Mariners entered the league in 1977. They are currently in the longest playoff drought of any major franchise in baseball, basketball, football, or hockey. 18 consecutive years without a trip to the playoffs for the Seattle Mariners. Texas, because a big deal was made of that when they got a strike away in 2011. That is correct. You have gotten three of the six. Padres. That is also correct. Began as a franchise in 1969. They've been to two World Series, but have not reached the playoffs since 2006. Six years with at least 90 losses in that time span. Tampa and Colorado are the easy ones because they haven't been franchises very long. And then there's one more. Seattle, Tampa, Colorado, Texas, San Diego. You've named those five. He named he named them all. Did you get the Brewers? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's all six of them. Yeah. Tampa entered the league in 1998. They lost the 2008 World Series. Have made it to the Division Series four times, including this year, 90 wins in back-to-back seasons. Rockies made a World Series appearance in 2007, swept by the Red Sox. They forced a game 163 in 2018. The Brewers, in their 51-year existence, have made six playoff appearances, one World Series berth. That was in 1982. Rockies made the DS last year. Lost to the Brewers. They beat the Cubs in the wild card game. Uh-huh. But I guess forcing a game 163 yeah, is also they, true. Yeah, they, they forced the a, yeah, an extra game just to get in. So, won 71 games this year. So those are the six. Which of those six is most likely to win a World Series first? Wouldn't it be hard not to go Milwaukee at the current moment? Because, I mean, they're, they're, because they, they've been in the playoffs the last couple of years. So, yeah, I'm trying to think of the next the couple. I, like the other ones. I, I mean, Tampa wouldn't be completely far-fetched, but like with the whole small payroll deal, like that's, until one of those teams breaks through and wins the World Series, it seems like there's a little bit of a ceiling on it. Like, I mean thinking of them in Oakland, but it wouldn't be like inconceivable at all. So I'd probably go Milwaukee. Yeah. But that's got to happen in the next three, four years. Yeah, I would say Brewers and then Rays. Although if you wanted to try and convince me it was Rays and then Brewers. Padres would be the next kind of sneaky one because they have a bunch of young players. They have Machado, they have what's left of Hosmer, and they've got money to spend. Like I, They would be a destination this offseason for... Well, we were talking about Strasburg being able to opt out. He's a San Diego guy. Yeah, and we do need to we need to correct that from earlier. We talked about Strasburg. He's got an opt out in his contract at this point. And several of you texted us that on the Ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Uh, you also had this, unless Trout can pitch, the Angels are trash. Keith and JS wants to know why the Red Sox would be ten to one. He says, I'm a Sox fan, but they were terrible. They know something I don't know. Just kind of a weird year. It wasn't for a lack of talent. It's still a good roster. They'll make moves to get better. And some of this is knowing what the public's going to do from a money standpoint. So 
you got a bunch of Red Sox fans that go, ooh, 10 to 1 odds, I'll jump all over it. What are the Yankees? 5 to 1. 5 to 1. Stan and Ripley says, what's the new deal with Josh Hamilton? Any more details? I have not. I, I saw the headline, skimmed over the story. The story did not read very well. No, it did not. Two but, sides to everything, but ugh. Yeah, off the field issues for Josh Hamilton. And the, the thing that stinks about that, he's a really likable guy that was a really talented player. And the throes of addiction have just never really let go of him. He He's as physically gifted as any player that has come through baseball in the last two decades. Any argument on that? I mean, there are a lot of really talented guys, but I mean, I yeah. in the conversation, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not. I'm so, please don't he doesn't take stand that out, as, but he doesn't stand alone either. If that makes yeah. sense, yeah. No, no, I'm I'm with you, but I, I'm I'm not saying he's the best player. I'm just talking about in terms of raw talent and tools. If not for the addiction issues that he's had, and being in baseball and out of baseball and in baseball and completely out of baseball, and then he's back in it and trying to keep his life on the straight and narrow. Um, you know, you would, uh, he's <laughs> pretty impressive. I'm amused by the, uh, the text message from this guy on June 5th at 424, this unnamed person said, please stick to sports, please. Okay. Today, please stop talking about baseball. It's over. That's, it ended last night. It's over. Move on. It was Game 7 of the World Series. We talked about it, talking about some big-picture stuff. We are about to move on, but stick By to this sports. metric, the Monday no, after those the other Super sports. Bowl. The Monday after the Super Bowl, no one should talk about the Super Bowl then. And don't you dare talk about Super Bowl commercials the day after the Super Bowl. How about football on television tonight? One NFL game, two college football games. We'll tell you what they are, how you can watch, and if they're interesting when we come back in the Renaissance Bank studio. Hey, guys. What happened? What the heck are you doing? Sports Talk Mississippi on your radio and in the game. Sports Talk Mississippi. Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Good to be with you, Richard Cross. Michael Borky out today. Will East is filling in for him. Got Brian Haydad and Brian Scott Rippey. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online, mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got financing, land financing, or refinancing needs of any kind, Mississippi Land Bank and Health, that's what they've been doing for over 100 years. Check them out again online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Coming up, we have the Heart Walk in remembrance of our friend and colleague Kip Gregory, who passed away recently of heart problems. Super Talk Mississippi is going heart walking. You can help us with the 2019 Heart Walk by making a donation to the American Heart Association. 
Just about all of us know someone who has passed away because of heart issues, and your donation will help science save lives and impact the overall well-being of Mississippians. To donate or to help, go to supertalk.fm slash heartwalk to make a donation today. One other thing, the JT Show tomorrow will be on the road in Ellisville celebrating one of the fastest-growing towns in the state. Find out what they are doing so well. It's brought to you by Wally Forestry, Indom Trailers, Community Bank, the Jones County Board of Supervisors, and the Economic Deve- Development Authority. That is tomorrow, 10 to 1, JT in Ellisville. All right, guys, need you to get your calendars out. Put this down. Mark it. You cannot forget this. Are you ready? Go ahead. Scheduling news. Oh, God. <laughs> Email from Ole Miss Athletics. Just came in just a few minutes ago, a series, a home-and-home series has been announced between Ole Miss and Virginia Tech. That's good. What's bad? The game in Blacksburg is in 2032. The game in Oxford is in 2037. I will be 56 years old. I'll be almost 25. When Ole Miss and Virginia Tech play in Oxford. <laughs> 2032 and 2037. I'm trying to do the math. It's 17 years from now, right? Then I would be 60. 18 years from right now. Sorry. You think you'll be retired by then, hey, Dad? At 60? Yeah. I don't know. I like my job. You keep me around, we'll see what goes. Yeah. There's no shot. No shot on God's green earth that I'm retired at 56. Probably not. Unless something happens financially that I am (laughs) completely unaware of (laughs) being on the horizon. I mean, whenever I go to a lottery state, I buy a ticket. So we'll see what happens. So you're saying there's a chance. Yeah. How about the slate of games this weekend? We did this last week and kind of had fun with it. We'll just kind of walk through. I I deleted some of the games that seem to be not as interesting. You know that Southern Miss is off this weekend. West Virginia Baylor tonight. Georgia Southern Appalachian State tonight. So you've got an undefeated team in both of those games. Navy at UConn tomorrow night. Navy. Quite the comeback story this year, though. Ken Niamatololo's team has been greatly improved. And the game between Navy and Army, the week after the championship games, that could be a lot of fun. It's like more balanced than it's been in a while. Plus, with UConn, you can watch Randy Etzel make bonus money in real time. There you go. Uh, Michigan at Maryland. Michigan has to try and not have a letdown. These are the 11 o'clock games, 11 o'clock central kickoff games. NC State Wake Forest, Dave Clawson, Dave Doran. Uh, Boston only, College only three days recalling that game. Come on, man. Yeah, there you go. Put it on the uh, the old JP time slot, 1120 yeah. kickoff. A&M stepping out of the conference, uh, hosting UTSA this weekend. Houston at UCF, maybe fun. Uh, noon kickoff on Fox. Big nude on Fox. Nebraska at Purdue. Gross. What a terrible game. (laughs) NBC 
130 kick. I think this could be good. Virginia Tech at Notre Dame. Why are you infatuated by this? I don't know. Notre I think Dame Virginia Tech could win that game. Say what? Notre Dame needs to bounce back. Yeah, I mean, it felt like Notre Dame was exposed a little bit. They've not been very good stopping the run. Uh, Virginia Tech, pretty good running team. Stumbled out of the gates. Everybody was like, oh, the shine's kind of off the uh, star for Justin Fuente. And yeah, maybe he's still a good football coach. Cocktail party at 2.30, Georgia and Florida. Rutgers is at Illinois. Can Rutgers make it two in a row? Illinois is trying to make it like four in a row, right? They're they're trying to get bowl eligible. Who is? Illinois. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, They lost last week, though, didn't they? No, they they beat uh, Wisconsin. They beat somebody. That was two weeks ago. They beat Wisconsin. They beat Purdue last week, I believe. Oh, they did beat Purdue. Yeah. They're four and four with games here with Rutgers and a game with Northwestern. They got a chance to get to six. How about that? Yeah. How about the shine on Miami and Florida State not being very bright? There was a time, and Richard, you're old enough to remember, so is Will, that that was the premier game of the college football season. I remember the tail end of those. Look, And then there were like six years after where people tried to make it into something that wasn't really. Yes, and it wasn't. With Miami falling They turned it into the season opener. They turned it into the season opener for a few years, and it was like, oh, it was Miami and Florida State, and then by the end of the year it meant nothing. I distinctly I mean, remember was... those on Labor Day a number of times. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but I mean, when I was when I was Rippy's age, you know, a, a scant 13, 14 years old, <laughs> this was the game. It, it's funny how things stand out in your mind. Mm-hmm. Like like you'll have little memories that are tied to certain things, and sports moments do that for me. Yeah. So this would have been circa nineteen ninety. Four. I'm gonna say '93 or '94, maybe even fall of '95. It was one of the wide right games. Yeah, my grandfather there, was in the nursing. There were a home. couple of them. So. Yeah, no, I, I, that's why I said one of. Yeah. My grandfather was in the nursing home at the time. He uh, he passed away of Alzheimer's, and let's see, in '90, I'm off on my years a little bit. It wasn't '95, yeah. No, it would have been earlier than that. He so passed away 90. when I was in fifth grade, which would have made me about 12 or so, 12 or 13. So we're, we're talking 92-ish, 92, 93, somewhere in there. Yeah, 91 and 92 were wide right games. Okay, so it was either 91 or 92, whatever. Off on my dates, clearly. But I vividly remember on a terrible television in the nursing home room that he was sitting in, watching the end of Miami, Florida State for a wide right ending. Yeah. With who? Hmm? I missed the first part. I was in my grandfather's nursing home room. Terrible. Yeah, I think it was a black and white TV. Yeah. You know, like a 17-inch black and white TV with kind of a snowy picture that came and went. But um, I don't know. Stands out of my mind. He was a good man. Little rivalry game in the uh, the state of Kansas with K State heading to Lawrence. I mean, everything about that would point to K State roles, except for the fact that Les Miles is the coach at Kansas, and they're doing some good things there. 
and K-State's coming off beating Oklahoma. Right. That's about ripe for a letdown. TCU at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's been disappointing this year. Yeah. TCU coming off a big win at home against Texas. Who is not back. Texas not back. They're not back. Army and Air Force, CBS Sports Network. Utah and Washington, part of a uh, doubleheader of really good games in the Pac-12 this weekend. You've got Utah at Washington. You've got Oregon at Southern Cal. That's the night game. I got Obviously, Mississippi. Be at Ar- Go ahead. Go ahead. I said I got a buddy who's going to be at Army Air Force. He's got some. He's a. He's doing business out in Colorado this week. He's going mm-hmm. to Army Air Force on Saturday and Cleveland Denver on Sunday. I bet it's going to be cold. I think it's. I think it's supposed to be like it is in, in Arkansas. It's been the. At least it's only in the forties. Well, it's not nearly as bad as it could be. It could be a lot worse. Yeah. Considering how much snow they got there earlier in the week, Mississippi State's at Arkansas. Ole Miss at Auburn. SMU Memphis. That gets the Saturday primetime treatment on ABC. Fowler and Herbie are in Memphis. For undefeated SMU and one-loss Memphis, a top 25 matchup in the American Athletic Conference. 6.30 on the SEC Network. You've got Vandy in South Carolina. Virginia's at North Carolina. Virginia, hard to figure out right now. Oregon at Southern Cal. 9 o'clock kickoff on Pac-12 Networks. Colorado at UCLA. BYU's at Utah State at 9 on ESPN2. Fresno State at Hawaii kicks at 11.59 p.m. Eastern. Sports Talk Mississippi. Lee Sterling's next. I can't believe what I'm hearing. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Will in for Michael Borky today. Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey. Let's go to the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau, from Paramount Sports and ParamountSports.com. Our weekly chat with Lee Sterling. What's up, Lee? Doing good. Uh, made it back in one piece. I was at, uh, I think I told you, I was at the Kansas State-Oklahoma game. Saturday, and then uh, saw the Chiefs and uh, Packers on Sunday. So I was with some friends, and we're at, we're at the game on Saturday, and we got to be ten nothing Oklahoma. They're like, "Well, looks like we're leaving after a half." I said, "Okay, whatever." <laughs> and then uh, it uh, all, you know, what took loose? One of the biggest upsets we'll see in Big uh, Twelve history. Yeah, that was that was pretty cool, and. It was not a fluke either, right? I mean, Kansas State. No, just no, I, they controlled the line of scrimmage. I mean, I think the final was like forty-eight, forty-one. But I mean, it was really a, it was like a twenty-four point margin going the last seven, eight minutes of the game. So uh, they dominated play. Uh, very underrated tailgating uh, venue, I will tell you that. So they, they had the they had the Bloody Mary eleven a.m. game, and hmm. we were there by nine o'clock, and it, the place was packed. I mean, it was a sight to see. Remember the golfer Jim Colbert? You remember the name? I do. Okay, so 78 years old. I was in his box from the half halftime on. So he's won. I didn't realize he'd won so many. He won over 30 uh, 
uh, you know, the, the, you know, different tournaments in the uh, uh, in, in the golf on his the regular tour and the uh, senior tour. So, uh, um, big likes to play the games too. <laughs> yeah, well, I was gonna way. say, sounds like you better not get into a money game with him on the golf course. Um, no, 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 no. So, hey, give, but, give me uh, a quick thought on the NFL there too, though. Oh, good to know. Good I'll, barbecue. Uh, have to check out that next time I'm in uh, Little Manhattan. Uh, right. Before we jump into the college games, Lee, give me a quick thought on this Niners-Cardinals game tonight with San Francisco favored by 10, one of two undefeated teams in the NFL. Might be a trap game. You know, uh, such a short turnaround to prepare for that kind of offense. If you have four or five days, okay, I think you got a decent chance. But quick turnaround and travel, this might be the trap game. So uh, I certainly wouldn't lay 10 points, I can tell you that. I did not give it out to my clients. I actually gave out one of the college games, but I would never touch San Francisco in this situation. All right. Let's jump in. Everything's going just so right for them. And Jimmy G has is, is, is played pretty well, but uh, still without their top two tackles. And eventually that catches up with you. Yeah. Yeah. Auburn is hosting Ole Miss. Line opened at 18, moved to 18.5, seems to have settled at 19. Is that too big of a number, or is Auburn's defense so good and Ole Miss without a lot of identity on offense to the point that that's not a bad play? I think Ole Miss can hang in this game. I mean, Ole Miss's defense has improved. They've knocked off, shaved off 75 yards per game under Mike McIntyre. And uh, the question is, can they do enough to hold down the Auburn offense? And I think Auburn is probably going to score 35, 40 points in this game. When you we saw them play Mississippi State, I mean, it, it was like they were like a house on fire. If, to get have that kind of start, I don't think we're going to see that again here. The home team has covered last five in the series. Uh, when you look at this game also, Ole Miss averaging 276 rushing yards per game through five SEC games, going 4-1 and one against the spread. They've been able, you know, not win, but able to, to hang around at least the line here. And remember, when you get two teams that run the ball a lot, generally less possessions. And uh, just think that, uh, you know, the, the Tigers, uh, you know, the, the, they stayed in the game last week, but they, they were outplayed. I mean, it was 508 to 287 yards de- deficit there. I think Auburn wins this game 34-21, but I'd side with Ole Miss here plus the points, almost 20 points. It's hard to find much confidence among Mississippi State fans right now, but uh, sports investors, we might call them, have a little more confidence. This line has moved half a point. Mississippi State is seven-and-a-half-point favorite against Arkansas in Fayetteville. Arkansas has been blown out in its last couple of ball games. Mississippi State's lost four in a row. What do we do here? What's crazy is, I mean, it looked like you know Arkansas gets two transfer quarterbacks in here and you think one at least might be the answer and it's not i mean maybe you know looking at the three quarterbacks maybe john stephen jones the grandson of, of cowboys owner jerry jones is the guy when he came off the bench he did hit six of seven in that blowout loss to bama I, i'm just looking for something with <laughs> both teams you're grasping at straws here uh, best chance, I think, for the rest of the year for the Razorbacks is uh, to do that. The 13 straight losses in conference in the SEC. I think uh, if I'm Mississippi State, even in a game like this, you want to 
I don't know if you need to pull out trick plays, but you want to be aggressive. You want to take a team like this out, and uh, you want to get at least a 17-point lead. So I don't know if they can on the road. I, I, I have my doubts. I don't like to lay points with an offense that isn't playing great. I mean, a lot of the points were scored late last week. Thought it wasn't a great effort. I mean, not playing a very good A&M team. I think A&M is going to be much improved next year. I think this is one of the rare years you're going to have a real good shot at them. I think Mississippi State's going to win the game something like 33-28, to 28, but uh, I'll take the 7.5 here in Arkansas. So Mississippi State winning 33-28 but not covering. Auburn winning 34-21, I think you said, but not covering in that one. I don't know what to do with the cocktail party. Georgia's a 6.5-point favorite. Florida, in a lot of ways, feels like it's been the more complete team this year. Uh, Georgia's got issues with its wide receivers in that they're not very good, and yet Georgia is favored by six and a half. I think the line's off. So I, I, I look at lines and I project lines on Sunday night every every week before they come out. And I made this game a three, three and a half point game. I think the line's off. And the way I look at this game, Florida scored 24 more points on every defense this season. So when I evaluate this game, I say, can Georgia score 30 or plus points? And I throw out the games, you know, the Arkansas State games. Look at Kentucky. They scored 21. South Carolina, 17. Notre Dame, 23. And now we're finding out Notre Dame was a little bit of a fraud. So are they going to get 30? I think the answer is probably not. I think Florida is going to be focused. I think they're going to try something early, take advantage of it. They get embarrassed in the last two games. I think they have the better skill players uh, with their receivers, Pitts and their wide receivers, Swain and Jefferson. I think Trask is getting better by the day and, and by the week. And those three guys that tied in two receivers, those, those guys have combined for 84 receptions and 10 touchdowns. And they're getting also both defensive ends back, their two, top two pass rushers, and they got a lot of playmakers in the secondary. I think the wrong team's favorite. I like Florida, 27-20. So Florida to win it outright, 27-20. to uh, We laugh sometimes when we talk about teams where the, the narrative is, well, they're getting a little bit better each week. But it actually feels like Tennessee is getting a little bit better. They're playing a right. good team in UAB, but it's a Conference USA team. Uh, Bill Clark might be the better coach in this game. Tennessee's an 11.5-point favorite. Do they continue to kind of climb the mountain in Knoxville? This game reminds me, I saw and I played this game last week. I don't know if you saw this. Liberty, did you see the line against Mm -hmm. uh, Rutgers? Yeah. Seven and a half. And sometimes I just say, you know what, as bad as they are and as bad as Rutgers has been, they're getting a different class of athlete. So that's what's hard sometimes to gauge in games like that. And I actually played Rutgers. Now in this game, UAB 6-1 and one straight up has played absolutely nobody. But not one team has scored more than 20 points against their defense, ranked fifth nationally. Bill Clark does a great job. Defensive coordinator Dave Reeves I respect a lot. The Vols have failed to cover the last nine. Check this out. The last nine... FBS-level non-SEC opponents when those teams have made the trip to Knoxville. So the $64,000 question is, will the UAB front seven be able to hold up versus the run, or will they have to bring their safeties up and cheat up and, and leave their cornerbacks vulnerable here to two pretty good receivers for Tennessee? I think they're going to do okay. I think it's going to be tight against the line, but I think Tennessee wins 27-20, but I favor UAB here a little bit. 
So you'll take the points in that one yep. and take Tennessee to win. Uh, so games involving SEC teams, Tennessee to win but not to cover. Florida, wrong team favored. Auburn wins but doesn't cover. Mississippi State wins but doesn't cover. Lee, remind people how they can get underdogs. all of your stuff every week. <laughs> yeah, four dogs. How about that? Yeah. Remind people how they can get your stuff, Whitley. Well, uh, check out the website, ParamountSports.com. Got videos up there, some big games. Uh, uh, got the New England game against Baltimore. It's about all we got on Sunday this week. Kansas, Kansas State, uh, Oregon, USC. So check out those videos. Uh, free game, South Carolina, Vanderbilt. We're 8-1 on the freebies this year. They want to get that game. Just call 800 400 Nine seven four one, and it's not November here. We call it November. Fourteen of the last fifteen years, we've had winning, not Novembers, Dovembers. So they want to hop on board. It's five weeks normally, five ninety seven. Just use coupon code SAVE two hundred three hundred ninety seven dollars for five weeks of my executive phone service. It's all available. ParamountSports.com. Thanks, Lee. Good luck this weekend. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks, Richard. Sports Talk Mississippi. Yeah! On Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming online at supertalk.fm on this Thursday afternoon. Richard Cross, Will Easton for Michael Borky. Brian Haydad and Brian Scott Rippey. We're going to get to uh, some more college football stuff coming up. We're also going to talk with Mike Frazier from Juco Weekly. Get your Pearl River Resort pick of the day coming up a little bit later. Plus, some notes on Arkansas against Mississippi State and Ole Miss against Auburn coming up in the college football fix. But right now, we're going to switch gears and talk some basketball. Sat down earlier today with Kermit Davis, head basketball coach at Ole Miss, going into year number two. Last season, in his first year, Ole Miss was able to play its way into the NCAA tournament where they met Oklahoma in the first round. Covered a lot of ground with Kermit Davis. We talked uh, some about this team, about the roster, about the changes on the roster from a year ago to this season, about the schedule that Ole Miss is going to play. We got into the name, image, and likeness conversation, and it's going to come in a couple of parts. We'll get things started right now. This was earlier today with Kermit Davis. Still a little hard to believe that we are almost to the start of the uh, the college basketball season, but here we are, and Kermit Davis joins us right now, and uh, it, it always gets here in a hurry, I guess. It does. You know, when football starts playing, it seems like the weeks just peel off pretty quickly, and uh, so it is. You know, with an exhibition game coming up, obviously we open up uh, on the 8th against Arkansas State, and I think everybody in college basketball, there's a lot of stuff we need to improve on, but I think people are ready for, for games. The reality of college basketball right now is everybody has roster turnover most years. I mean, get, seeing a team that's got you know four starters coming back from a season before seems to be rare. You've got some turnover, but you've also got some guys coming back. Is it the right mix? Yeah, you know, we, uh, we'd like to have more guys coming back. You know, Franco Miller went through a, an injury. We redshirted Carlos Curry. But when you have, you know, Devontae, Brian, KJ, and Blake, who were on the court a lot together last year, uh, that's a good thought. You know, obviously Blake will miss a few games. And uh, 
because of some illnesses, but he'll be back in in good time. Um, but I, but I like that we're mature in the backcourt, but we're young in a lot of areas, Richard. Terrence Davis being gone, what are you replacing with him? You know, a guy that everybody really enjoyed. His teammates really liked him. Uh, uh, TD was really – he was all about Ole Miss. He, I, I miss his uh, – I mean, obviously, you miss what he can do on the floor. You know, he can just go do some spectacular things. Uh, and uh, so we've got to try to – I know it sounds cliche-ish, but you do. You kind of got to replace him by committee. Devontae and Brian need up their games. You know what it means by they have a score of 25 and 26 points. But everybody else just has to be better. And uh, But we'll miss TD for sure. I know there were times when his play – you mentioned a spectacular play – made you want to pull your hair out. Yeah, but because of inconsistency or fouls or, or whatever. But one thing with him, you, you never questioned how hard he was playing, right? Yeah, TD's intentions were always right. They were always <laughs> right. I mean, they they really were, you know. And every now and then he could, he'd make a play trying to drive it through four guys, and every now and then he'd get through them and dunk a ball right on top of somebody, you know. And so, uh, TD was not afraid of the moment, but he really did. I was so excited about TD how he matured as a player, and then then obviously it, now it's transcending into the NBA. You um you mentioned some guys that are coming back, but people that have kind of been around the program, I, I keep hearing whispers of Luis Rodriguez, Luis Rodriguez. What are we going to see with this guy that, that maybe people didn't see a year ago? Yeah, well, he's going to be on the floor a lot more. And, uh, you know, going from his freshman to his sophomore year, we trust him more. He's a better player. He, his basketball IQ has really, really improved. You know, sometimes these guys trying to learn your system, they get paralyzed athletically because they're just trying to think too much and now he's reacting and just playing through system of play and uh he played good against texas uh he's been real consistent if we start today Luis started the three today you mentioned texas that's one of those super secret scrimmages where we can't know anything about it is there anything you can tell us about uh, that trip to new orleans uh, a week or so ago yeah to be generic i mean it was really good for our team i like texas team they, they look and play like an NCAA tournament team i thought it was real competitive uh, it was a physical scrimmage. Uh, we got everybody a chance to play. Uh, there was some good. There's a lot of bad that we can improve on. But the greatest thing about that is that tape that you can watch on Monday morning when we got back, you know, and kind of see where everybody's at. And uh, and for that, I think our team will be for sure better. Why do we do the charade if you can't talk about these things? I mean, some schools, they end up releasing a box score yeah. from it, and others don't talk about it at all. What, what, what's the deal on that? You know, I've always been, when we have them, that nothing is said, and Shaka was the same way. Like last year, we played Murray State, and everybody was trying to see how many points John Morant scored in this scrimmage, you know. And uh, but then what happens? Then all of a sudden, innately, you, you put pressure on yourself trying to win, you know. And you really just want to play your guys. You want to have certain guys just play through some bad pockets of stuff. Where in a real game, you may just take him out. Winning and losing is so important. So I think that's why we try to keep it a secret. Well, nobody has any predetermined ideas because what happens when fans do see media does see a score but they may have no idea that one coach really maybe played a ton of different guys and one coach maybe really thought it was important he needed to win the scrimmage you know so so going in sometimes you know your mindset's a little bit different all right statute of limitations is up yeah how good was john moran a year ago when you saw him whoo 37 <laughs> he was good against three good guards he was good it was a heck of a scrimmage and uh we got a lot out of that one i knew murray'd be good obviously they turned out to be an ncaa tournament team and won a game and uh yeah he, he was he was good and but it, it, was, it was a really good scrimmage for, for for both teams one of the things that everybody's talking about right now in, in college athletics and certainly as it pertains to basketball is this name image likeness stuff uh, ncaa board of governors earlier this 
this week kind of lays the groundwork for for that to move forward. They they don't do anything landmark yet, yeah. but but they at least get the process started. Where are you as a basketball coach on, on that issue? Well, you know, I think this. Everybody wants what the players deserve. Everybody, okay? We The NCAA over the last six or seven years has done a lot better job. And they needed to because it was stagnant ground for a long time. From opportunity funds that we can do, cost of attendance, like at Ole Miss, almost $6,000. Obviously, keep their Pell Grant, extra meals that we're providing now that allow the student-athlete to put the cash into their pocket and not have to spend it as much on, on food. Uh, so we've done a better job flying them back and forth from home, you know, during the year. Uh, so those things, we're in, the, and we're in the right direction. I'm glad the NCAA is getting out in front. We needed to get out in front of it. Uh, it's it, boy, it is a complex issue, Richard. I mean, I'd like to sit here and tell you how it's going to be done. I think if you just say, okay, let's just pay for the likeness. I mean, does that mean every player have an agent? Uh, does the money go directly from the business to the player's agent to the player? Or does it have to be funneled to the university? Now that's funneled to the university, back to the player, now does that become a gender equity concern? What's going to happen to the women's soccer player? I really think the NCAA is trying to have a model that helps all student athletes, but you know, but there is certain guys. Their likeness is going to be going to be more than others for sure. So, so for the people that have been just jumping up and down and screaming from the rooftops, pay the players, pay the players. It, it's not. It's just not as simple as pay the players. And and you can't per se pay players and maintain any semblance of a collegiate model. I don't. Yes. Yeah. So, can you start thinking about? You know what, what really guys, you know, in college, I mean, when they get $6,000 worth of cost of attendance, under 6000 a Pell Grant, they put extra money in their pocket uh, based on us giving them extra meals, it's a pretty good amount of money, you know, I mean, tax-free. And so now they start getting the likeness. Now they're going to be taxed on that income. Now that puts them in a different bracket to maybe they don't qualify for financial aid to get that $6,000. And so there's a lot of different things that go into it. You know, and how do you really distribute the money? Uh, does it cause cheating in, in our game? That, that, I mean, you think about this now. I mean, when, when somebody at a certain place can kind of say, okay, instead of going pro, we'll give you this $75,000 or $100,000 marketing thing here. I mean, so there's a lot of things that have to go into it. It's just not the plan that, okay, we're just going to pay the players. We all want them to get what they deserve, but it's really got to be well thought of. And, and the biggest thing, Richard, it can't be state to state. This started being state to state, and maybe California got the NCAA to react, which may end up being a really good thing. But, I mean, now will kids start choosing where they're going to play based on the state and likeness and what they're paying? That's not what college athletics is based upon. You, you can't put that in a tweet, though. What, what you just said and, and thinking through all that, that doesn't that doesn't fit into a nice, neat little sound bite where we just go, oh, they're getting screwed because college athletes is making so much uh, college athletics is making so much money. Yeah, it is, and uh, the, the players deserve it. We, we all everybody agrees on that. It's just. The, the complex issues of how it's properly done, and I think that's going to be a lot smarter people than me, you know, and and I guess it's going to get maybe at the federal level, you know, and NCAA level, university administration levels to where the players are well taken care of in a good manner that fits at least what college athletics is all about. 
If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Here. Sports Talk Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah. Super Talk Mississippi. So you heard the first part of our conversation with Kermit Davis. We will continue with that right now. Visiting with Kermit Davis, almost head basketball coach. Season is almost here. Exhibition game on uh, on Monday night coming up. Th- this schedule that you're playing this year, you're going to get tested before you ever get to January. We are. We are. I mean, you you look at even, you know, with new guys and Blake out, the guarantee games that you play against some, some good mid-major teams, we're going to have to play well. Uh, and then you get in that stretch with, you know, Memphis and Penn State, Oklahoma State or Syracuse, Butler, and then you got Wichita State, and you're right. I mean, we're, we're going to know exactly where we are before we go to Texas A&M and open up SEC play. You know, Wichita State's an interesting one. You're not in the SEC Big 12 because that's a, a two-year rolling deal. Yeah. So from a couple of seasons ago, not in the rotation this time. And so you get Wichita State, which if people don't follow mid-major basketball closely, they got better and better and were really close to being in the tournament a year ago. Right and have one of the great home court advantages in all of the game. Yeah. For us that are in it, they're not a mid-major school. I mean, because they sell out every single game. They're funded at the highest level in college basketball. And so it's, it's just an SEC team and an SEC budget for basketball in Wichita. And uh, you're right. I mean, Greg's got a really good team coming back that made it to the to the NIT. A lot of those guys are back. And it is. It, it's one of the, the, like you said, Rich, one of the very best home courts and for them to have an SEC team coming into their place, that'll be a big weekend for them. Yeah, I would imagine that it'll be rocking for that one. Quick quick thought on the league. Um, there are a lot of teams that lost a lot, but a lot that have got a lot coming back. You had Auburn in the Final Four a year ago. Kentucky's Kentucky. Rick Barnes seems to have kind of established things at Tennessee. Florida's got a, an incredible class coming in. Right. It, it, it's like the SEC might be good this year. It is. you know, And I think you're going to see this in college basketball. Like, I think that we lost 11 of the top 12 scores, and Brian's the only one coming back, okay? But still, so how's the league better? Well, I don't know if we may have the team like Tennessee with all, but everybody's recruited so well. And, I mean, like, I, I think what I think, I think the league is going to be better top to bottom. I mean, every, some people have gone to watch Vanderbilt say they think Vanderbilt's got their teams a lot better. Conzo thinks his team, he loves his team, and they picked him 13th. You know, so now you start. Now, how hard is it going to be to get an NCAA tournament bid in our league? And I think some people say six or seven. I think it's going to be closer, eight, nine, or ten. I think before it's all over. Now, what we have to do as a league before we start beating up on each other in January and February is win really good non-conference games. You know, in November and December. So, so the the scheduling thing, and we can can wrap up here. To me, is is such a you need to schedule tough in the in the non-conference. To, to kind of set yourself up as a league from an RPI standpoint, but you need to win those games. And then when you get to league play, when everybody's good, it's harder to win a bunch of games. And so to, to look up and have a bunch of teams that have won 22 games and have positioned themselves to be four seeds, that's hard to do. It, it's a pretty complex formula, isn't it? It is. You know, like last year, Richard, we, we just took care of business. Brian and I were talking about this morning is – we didn't have any bad losses. I mean, we kind of we kind of did the things we were supposed to do. You know, we beat a Baylor team that ended up playing really, really well. You know, uh, and so I, and then we got off to that great start. You know, in uh, in league play. So uh, I just but the one thing you can't do as an SEC school 
They will penalize you now for pay, playing a bad non-conference schedule. I don't really think we get penalized for losing really good non-conference Power 5 games or against really high-rated uh, RPI games, whatever they're called now. You know, And so I just think that, that our team has got to go schedule like that and where the committee said they did everything they could do to try to put themselves in a position. Now, you've got to go win some of them, you know, but you're not going to get penalized for going and playing a good schedule. One more thing I want to ask you about. I know I said we were almost done. A year ago coming into this job, and you talked about how valuable it was to be able to go to Canada and, and do the, the outside-the-country trip. You can only do that once every four years, I think it is. So how is it different this year in not having that experience? We're not as far along. That's just that's just brutally honest. I mean, we didn't get the, the four road games. We didn't get the ten extra regular practices. We didn't get all the other preparations that we did up there. I mean, when I take a team like that, I love going on the road. I don't care how small those gyms were in Canada. All the gyms were about full. They were packed. They were playing with their officials, you know, as you had to go through adversity and all the gyms. And so that that was good for us. And so, uh, so far as just packaging of having everything in, we're not as far along, you know, as we were this time last year. Uh, is our depth probably better? Probably. So, but we're going to have a lot of guys that we're still right now trying to figure out rotations, and it may be going on, you know, first, middle of December. Really appreciate your time. Thanks, Richard. That was Kermit Davis. Spent some time with uh, me earlier this morning and uh, covered a lot of ground there. The uh, name, image, and likeness stuff is fascinating. If you missed any of the interview, you can go back and listen on demand. Sports Talk Mississippi available every day as a podcast. You can also just go to the website, supertalk.fm, and listen to it there in the uh, final couple of segments of the 4 o'clock hour. College Football Fix is coming your way next. We'll take a look at Mississippi State's game with Arkansas, Ole Miss's game with Auburn. Look at a uh, guy that has entered the transfer portal that uh, could affect things potentially in the SEC. Take a peek at the junior college playoffs, which gets, uh, which gets started on Saturday. Plus, we've got the Pearl River Resort pick of the day coming up a little bit later this afternoon. 5 o'clock hour is next at Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio on this Thursday. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey, Will East is in today for Michael Borky. We're glad to have you along. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online at mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing needs of any kind, Mississippi Land Bank can help. Whether you're a farmer who's got equipment needs, you're buying a new piece of property, you're refinancing uh, refinancing an existing loan, or you're getting a production loan, or maybe you want to build a dream house in the country. You've got a small piece of property, you've got a big piece of property, 
Uh, it's not in a normal neighborhood, and you need to get some special financing on that. Or maybe it's just buying a piece of recreational property, a spot where you want to be able to hunt, fish, get away, put a shop, put all your stuff, whatever it is. Mississippi Land Bank can help with all of that if you are in North Mississippi. MSLandBank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Rolling into the 5 o'clock hour, glad to have you along with us. You can text the show on the C Spire text line. The number is 601-879-4395. At C Spire Business, they think your organization deserves more than a one-size-fits-all phone system. That's why they work with you to build a voice-over-IP solution that is perfect for your needs. Learn more at cspire.com slash business. Time right now for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Great time to buy a new Ford because you've got year-end model savings that's going on. They're ready to get rid of the 2019s, make room for all those 2020s that are coming in, and that's a chance for you to save money. Again, visit the website Buy Ford Now, or maybe even better, stop by your local Mississippi Ford dealer and test drive the Ford that you're interested in today. Hey, Dad, Mississippi State heads to Fayetteville on Saturday trying to win on the road and snap a four-game losing streak. Last four for the Bulldogs, on the road against Auburn, on the road against Tennessee, home against LSU, and on the road against Texas A&M. We always kind of looked at it and thought that that was the most challenging part of the schedule. Obviously, you've got Alabama in two weeks, but 1-3 and three was not what you hoped for. In, or, excuse me, 0-4 oh was not what you hoped for or going into the year were expecting during that four-game stretch. You would take one and three at this point, I think. Yeah, pretty, at this point, easily. you certainly would. Yeah, uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, when we talked about Mississippi State preseason, we looked at that that Auburn Tennessee stretch and thought, okay, that you know they're probably going to lose to LSU, probably going to lose Texas A and M. They need to split, you know, A and M or Auburn and Tennessee, and if they can do that, then then everything's still on the table for them to be even, you know, an eight an eight and four kind of team. The loss to Kansas State through the early uh, monkey wrench into that, and then like you said, now they've lost four in a row. For the first time since 2005, so yeah, to say that there's some uh, some frustration uh, would be a, a vast understatement. And Mississippi State, I mean, I don't know that desperately is the right word. I don't know if it's that bad, but it's it's as high as you can get that they need a win this Saturday. Um, Stephen Gidry's come to life a little bit in the uh, the last two ball games. He has combined over the last two games for 157 receiving yards, eight catches, and two touchdowns over the uh, course of the games against Texas A&M and LSU. Has he emerged as the most reliable target for Mississippi State? Not at all. There's the, a lot of those stats are, are piled up into garbage time. Um, okay. and, and early in the games, he's, he's had some drops, which has been the uh, situation for him all year. Uh I don't know that State has a totally reliable target, a player that I would just point at and say, yeah, you could you can count on him. It was Osiris Mitchell early in the season, but he he is he's fallen off quite a bit as of late. Uh, Gidry, like I said, has been very inconsistent. Dedrick Thomas has has been a little bit more consistent, but it's not like they're finding him for three or four catches a game. You saw Isaiah Zuber get his first two touchdowns of the game of the season uh, last week against Texas A and M. So obviously, there's some hope that finally at this late juncture he can make an impact. But I would not. 
define any of MSU's wide receivers as a, as a go-to guy uh, at this point. Kylan Hill for the year has 793 yards on the ground, six touchdowns. He had 150 yards rushing in a TD last week against Texas A&M. Five 100-yard games on the season. Was last week the first time where you walked away and you felt like, okay, he was used in the way that he should be used? Well, I mean, I think they used him the way they, they, they should have been using the first four games, to be honest. I mean, okay. I thought they, 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 did, they did a good job of getting him the ball. It's just last week, sort of a weird game in that he had some big runs, but then there were some, you know, second and short, third and shorts he wasn't able to convert. So his stats are a little bit misleading from, from that, from that standpoint. But by and large, just to get him going again, uh, worked pretty well, I thought. I thought that he, I thought that you know the game plan was was obviously to get him involved. He at least got some yards. He he, he looked more like his, his regular self. And if he, I think if he can, that's something you can build on into going into a game against Arkansas. That's not a great defense. Arkansas on the year coming in at two and six. They are winless in the SEC. They have lost thirteen straight in Southeastern Conference play. Mississippi State three and five, one and four in the SEC. Uh, one other thing. Uh, one other note. 80 yards. That's how many Kylan Hill needs on Saturday to get to 2,000 for his career. And I, I think, I think you and I would agree. I think most people would agree that it's probably a number that he should have already hit. Not that numbers, specifically landmark numbers like that, really matter. Mm-hmm. But if he had been used the way that a lot of people thought he should have been used a year ago, 2,000 would have been in the rearview mirror several games ago. Correct. Yeah, he would have. He would have been close to it going you know into the season and then yes probably would have already zoomed past that number yeah um rippy when you look at Ole miss three and five on the year two and three in the sec headed to the plains this weekend auburn leads the all-time series 32 to 10 we've talked about youth on this team almost 85 percent of Ole miss's offense this season 2936 of 3,473 total yards have come from freshmen. That's the most in the country. Not surprising. Does that speak well for the future? I mean, it depends on the kind of stability you have. I mean, you've already had a freshman quarterback leave that his career was over really before it got started because they never really gave him a shot. I don't really know what they had to lose by that, I by uh, denying him a shot, but... I mean, I guess it just depends on the kind of stability you have. Does Rich Rodriguez stick around? Like, because what's the what the deal here? Is they've gone to this semi, you know, I don't know, run heavy offense. Yeah. Well, what happens when the when the coordinator takes a if the coordinator takes a, a group of five job next year or goes somewhere else? Like, you hired two former head coaches that you figured weren't going to be here very long if things went well, or maybe even at all. So, what if you're running a completely different offense next year? I don't know if that necessarily bodes well. Now, of course, having productive running backs like Scotty, or excuse me, Jerry Neely, not Scotty Phillips, he's a senior, and Snoop Connor certainly bodes well. Having some younger guys get experience on the offensive line definitely bodes well. The younger secondary guys, all of that's fine, but is it enough? I don't know. John Rice Plumley is 36 yards away from breaking the school rushing record for a quarterback in a single season. He's got 508 yards on the ground. That's a program record for a freshman quarterback and the fifth most by any quarterback, regardless of classification. So that part of it with John Rice Plumley is good. 
The other piece of this, though, is obviously the issues throwing the football. What What is – do you have a gut? Do you have a guess on what Ole Miss does at quarterback on Saturday? Really not at all. They would be unwise to use the exact same quarterback rotation they've been using the last two weeks because it didn't net any wins or really very many positive results. But to be completely honest, no, I really don't. In terms of the depth chart that Ole Miss puts out, I don't know if there's an or there or not. Uh, quarterback, John Rice Plumley or Matt Corral listed as starter on the official depth chart that comes from Ole Miss. I don't think that's really... I think that's been the same. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm just saying if you were looking for an answer there, um, you don't really get one. Um, I tend to agree with you on the rotation. If you expect different results from the same thing you've gotten, especially against an Auburn defense that's so good against the run, then you're probably going to be disappointed. You mean using the one-dimensional guy as the every-down guy and the somewhat two-dimensional guy as a package guy sprinkled in intermittently is not going to work? Yeah, that's kind of what I meant. Okay. That's what I meant. Um, In fairness, Matt Corral's passing numbers are not great. No, not at all. He's 88 of 147, so that's, what, 55-ish percent? I mean, I've got the stats here. You don't have to do it on the calculator. What is it? Uh, Matt Corral for the year, 59.9%. Oh. And John Rice Plumley is at 47.6%. Fewer fat pass attempts and far fewer completions as well. They're going to have to get something going in the passing game. They're not going to win any more games. I by mean, the, New Mexico State. but By the way, Grant Tisdale was 2-for-2 two for, two for 56 yards and a touchdown. Went th- batting 100%. Limited sample size. That's your college football fix, driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. More coming up with you in the Renaissance Bank Studio after this. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. That's right, today is Halloween, but Jeremy Pruitt has no time for your silliness. Jeremy, given that today is Halloween, I wondered if uh, you had a favorite Halloween costume from your childhood. No. We're, we're Bridge and Flint dressing up today. I'm sure they are. That was Jeremy uh, Pruitt's response. Will, could you hear that okay or no? Yeah, you could hear it. Uh, he has no joy in life. No joy. Hey, Jeremy, I was uh, wondering, given the fact that today is Halloween, if you had a favorite Halloween costume as a kid. He didn't even raise an eyebrow. No. Well, or Ridge and Flint, those are two of his three sons dressing up. He also has an eyebrow that's permanently raised. Check out the symmetry on those bad boys. I'm sure they are, was his response to whether or not his kids. What are the odds that State's two finalists had permanently raised eyebrows? Hmm. Was that one good point? Cohen, did Cohen go into the thing? We got to get a guy with a raised eyebrow. That's 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 quality one. I don't understand why he wouldn't like. I get that that this was right after the BYU debacle. Like he's sour, but they're playing pretty good football. Like why not lighten up? I don't think he's a lighten up guy. Is that the point in all of this? I don't get the football guys that are like 
completely nothing right. exists beyond football. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's just to stop. Like the whole it's okay like, to be human. It's okay. You get guys every year that it's like, yeah, I hadn't been home for two weeks. I've been sleeping in the facilities. Like, congrats, man, you got issues. That was a uh, Lane Kiffin deal, right? There was some guy from uh, he wasn't Pitt, sleeping at the facility, but yeah, Penn State. Oh yes, he was. I mean, maybe not exclusively, but yes, he was. Yikes. He w- he was sleeping at a maybe you know a facility. No, oh, that was the story about when he was at, at Southern Cal. He like never left the office. Oh, at Southern Cal, I thought you were talking about Alabama. Joey Freshwater. Oh, no, no. I was talking about when he was the head coach at Southern Cal. I mean, there are infamous stories about work all day, sleep on his couch for a few hours, and get right back to it. Which is probably a pretty good indicator of family not going so well. Yeah. Not a huge surprise here. The news came out yesterday from uh, the folks at AL.com that Joey Gatewood is entering the transfer portal. Story said as recently as late August, he was still a serious contender for Auburn's starting quarterback job. Two longer, uh, two months later, he's no longer, longer part of the team. Gatewood met with Coach Malzahn before and after the team's Tuesday practice, which he did not attend. His plan is to finish out the semester at Auburn while weighing his transfer options. He's a former four-star recruit from Bartram Trail High School in Jacksonville, Florida, Committed to Auburn as a high school sophomore, drawn to the program because of his relationship with former offensive coordinator Rhett Lashley and because of the school's connection with Cam Newton. Where did Lashley go? He's at SMU, I believe. He's at SMU. That's right. He plays for Sonny Dykes. And doing a pretty darn good job with it. Doing a real good job, yeah. Um Gatewood has played in seven games but has seen limited playing time and didn't see any action against Florida in Auburn's loss to the Gators, and that's about an hour from his home. In seven games, Gatewood has rushed for 148 yards on 29 carries with three touchdowns. He is 5 of 7 through the air for 54 yards and two touchdowns. wonder how attractive he will be in the transfer portal. Probably pretty pretty attractive. I mean, good recruiting pedigree. Big kid can run the ball. He is six five two thirty four. Yeah. Hence the big kid remark. No, I understand. I was just adding some specifics to your general statement. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. He, I mean, he'll he'll be. There's some. There's some going to be some good. Some good. Uh. There's going to be a good crop of quarterbacks from just from the SEC, in, in this 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 upcoming portal. I would think. Who, okay, just keeping this local-ish, mm-hmm. Grant Tisdale, who was a star at Allen High School in Texas. Right. Joey Gatewood, who is a large human being and thought to be pretty talented. Mm-hmm. Which one of those two is more attractive in the transfer portal? Depends on your offense. You know, depends on what you want to run. If you're, if you're, if you're a Dan Mullen kind of coach and you want to run power... Gatewood would be the guy. I don't know enough about Tisdale, I guess, to really make an accurate assessment for him. But the fact, and I, you don't, don't bust me on this one. But the fact that Phil Longo, that was sort of, I thought was sort of thought to be his guy, means he must be a relatively decent passer. So if you want to throw the ball around a little bit more, maybe Tisdale's your guy. Am I, am I Allen go base with that? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay. Um, listed as a dual threat quarterback. 
led Allen, Texas to a 14 and 1 record in the state semifinals. That was in 2018, the year before they went 16 and 0 and won the state championship. So a guy that has won a bunch of games. I was trying to find his I guess it would be under his recruiting profile in terms of offers and what he had. He had an offer from Baylor, from Colorado, from Houston, from Illinois. Uh, had an offer from Mississippi State, from Nebraska, North Texas. Apparently had an offer from Ohio State. I mean, was that one of those committable offers? Uh, who knows? And Oklahoma State, camp. Oregon, SMU, Tennessee, Texas Tech, Utah. There were a lot of options for Grant Tisdale coming out of high school. Yeah. And like I said, and actually, expect... go ahead. No, I was just going to say in the the twenty four seven sports recruiting profile, kind of in the you know where they give him a chance. Ole Miss had a sixty percent chance. They ultimately landed him. A and M was there at twenty percent, and Ohio State was there at twenty percent. And then you know to take it a step further, you know if we're going to do a little speculating, I would have to imagine at least one of State's backup quarterbacks is going to get into the portal as well, either Keaton Thompson or, or Jalen Maiden. And honestly, it could be both of them. I don't know. Maybe both. It could be. It could be. It would be really hard to blame Keaton Thompson at this point. No, you're no, you're absolutely correct. I mean, he, he he was in there to start the season. And I think he just got. I, I don't think the offers were quite there for him right then. I think he wanted to make his move, and there was there was nothing really available at that point. I have to think that if he enters in December, he'll have a, a few takers. Do you know if he will have graduated? I don't know for sure, but I do know that he started school uh, in February of twenty um, seventeen. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. In December of twenty seventeen, so he has got you know. This upcoming spring would be his fourth spring, so he yeah. would uh he he if he's if he doesn't have it he's got to be really really close to it. Yeah. Well, and I only ask because obviously if he's a graduate yeah. transfer he's eligible immediately eligible versus immediately. having to go yeah. and sit out. And and the, this year you know he's he's going to have he's going to be able to redshirt now because he hasn't played this year and there's only four games left. So. Do you that, anticipate you seeing him in the final four games of the year? No, I do not. You think unless, that unless there has sailed. unless there's a rash of injuries, I think that Schrader's the starter and Stevens is the backup. Yeah. Are there any other SEC quarterbacks that are likely to hit that transfer portal? Um, just trying to think around. I mean, is what, what age is Garantano a junior? Is he a senior? Who? I said the same thing you did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if he's a senior, if he's not a senior, he's going to go. For sure, um, red shirt junior. So he's got another year. He'll go. He, he's probably he's got to be a grad transfer. You would think. Um, trying to think. I don't what about know the Miles Brennan, at, uh, South Carolina. Is he going to get a medical red shirt? You think? Oh, he had a red shirt year available, didn't he? Yeah. So then, yeah, probably so. They're probably going to move forward with Holinsky. Um, would Miles Brennan leave LSU? I mean, Burrow's gone, I guess, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You, you got. I get the feeling that we're not too far off from whoever one of the nation's top five star quarterbacks is making a commitment to LSU. 
Yeah, no, no question about that. Um, Rippy on the the Ole Miss front with regard to the quarterback position going forward. Um, Robbie Ashford is committed to Ole Miss. Um, he's another guy that's got kind of a laundry list of of offers that are are out there. He's got an offer from Auburn and from Florida and from Florida State and from Georgia and uh, Mississippi State and Missouri and Oregon. I mean, they're all over the place. He can literally go anywhere in the country that he wants to go. Um, there has apparently been some interest on the Alabama end, but does not have an offer from Alabama. Dual threat, out of Hoover, and a lot of people look at him and go, okay, that's if it's going to be Rich Rod's offense going forward, then he's the guy that fits, that's able to do both at a pretty high level, you think. Yeah, I mean, just hard to tell with the kid in high school, but sure, that's certainly plausible. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming online at supertalk.fm. We're back after this in the Renaissance Bank studio. a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They're all together ooky. The Adams family. The house is a museum. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Happy Halloween. Really yeah, Trick or treaters. By the way, they're driving around tonight. Be careful. Beware of uh, what's going on around you because you got kids all over the place and need to be careful. So uh, just keep a heads up as you are out and about. It is time for us to take a look at what is happening. In junior college football, as we roll toward the MACJC playoffs that get started on Saturday, JUCO Weekly is your home for all that's happening in the JUCO ranks. Again, the website is JUCOWeekly.org. They're celebrating their 10th season this year, wrapping up their 10th season of MACJC football coverage. For in-game scores, game action photos, and league news, visit JUCOWeekly.org. Follow them on Twitter and Instagram. You finish the regular season with five teams ranked in the top 25 nationally. Mississippi Gulf Coast at number one, Jones at seven, Hines at nine, Northwest at 10, and East Mississippi at 13. And yet, you have only four teams that are in the playoffs. Let's start uh, with uh, a game that's going to happen at two o'clock on Saturday. Number 7, Jones, is at number 10, Northwest. Northwest comes into the postseason, averaging almost 36 points per game and 417 yards of offense per game. They are in the top 20 nationally, holding uh, opponents to about 20 points per contest. Quarterback Jack Walker has had a nice season. 1,876 passing yards through nine games. 
He is a Madison, Mississippi native and a transfer from Georgia State. He's closing in on joining some elite company in the 2,000-yard passing club, trying to become the third consecutive Northwest quarterback to do so and the fourth in the last five years. In the backfield, Northwest has three guys that really can do it. Leading rusher Jaquarius Williams, Chris Calvert, and Uriah Shepard. Quentin Wilfawn leans the team defensively with 49 tackles on the season. So that's kind of a preview of Northwest. Jones has an identical record at 7-2 and two on the season. They went 5-1 and one in the MACJC South. They're ranked 7th nationally, averaging 28 points per game, putting up 364 yards of offense. Manny Jones out of Amory, Natorian Watts out of Petal, and Bud Tolbert from Water Valley lead the team in the receiving category. The three of them have combined for 822 yards receiving and six touchdowns. On the ground, they're paced by a duo, uh, the duo of LaDamian Webb and Kalen Granberry. In eight games this year, Webb has 887 yards and nine touchdowns. Granberry has scored 10 times with 700 yards on the ground. Uh, Ole Miss commit Dalen Gill and Shea Hill are the leaders defensively. Gill has 47 tackles on the season. So let's press pause for a second, bring in Mike Frazier and talk a little bit more about this game. Uh, a little bit, Mike, of a contrast in styles between these two teams and what appears to be a really fun matchup that's going to happen on Saturday in Senatobia. Yeah, that's right. Jones coming into the contest, uh, uh, defense. I mean, they're one of the top teams in the country in scoring defense. Uh, they yield very little on the ground. Uh, boy, they are a, a tough squad. And look, coming out of that South Division, Richard, you have to be because those teams in the South, I mean, the league overall, but particularly in the South, I mean, you've got coaches in there that they played against that just are old school, old fashioned, that they're going to pound the ball at you and they're going to be big up front. So uh, Jones definitely battle tested Northwest. Man. What a run by uh, Benji Parker and his staff. Same scenario there. They can run it. They've got three just talented receivers that you mentioned a moment ago and a quality quarterback, and they're strong defensively. How about Quay Mays? Where's number 99? He's a West Virginia commit. So, uh, you know, <laughs> loaded D1 talent in both these games is up and down the roster. 2 o'clock on Saturday afternoon, and it is going to feel like football weather in Senatobia. My guess is it will be a little bit warmer on the coast, and what a matchup. Number 13, East Mississippi, number one, Mississippi Gulf Coast. East Mississippi, the defending national champion, five national titles since 2011. Connor Neville at quarterback, who's the uh, transfer from Washington, leads the conference, throwing for 273 yards a game. Jason Brownlee out of West Point leads the country in catches. He's got 67 receptions on the year. Wide receiver Purvis Frazier out of Louisville is another top receiver for the Lions. They get it done on the ground. Keon Moore out of Harrison Central. Zias Perryman from Laurel pounded effectively. And Buddy Stevens knows how to win. 11th time that his squads have been in the MACJC playoffs in 12 years as the head coach. They won the league in 2016 2017 and 2018. On the other side, Mississippi Gulf Coast, number one team in the country. They just won their 16th MACJC South title, averaging 467 yards per game. Chance Loverich has gotten it done at quarterback, the former Jackson Prep standout, throwing for about 260 yards per game. Mississippi Gulf Coast is big up front, and they pound you fairly relentlessly. They beat teams up. Run it well with Omni Wells from Moss Point and DeAndre uh, DeAndre House from Senatobia. 
Defensively, they've got a linebacker named Mike Smith out of Ridgeland. He's not one of the top ten, uh, tacklers just in the uh, in the state, but in the entire country. And Navante, uh, you're going to have to help me with that name. I'll give it a shot. Nevin Take Strong out of Scott Central and Malik Jones from Grenada also getting it done on the defensive side. Jack Wright, national championship coach back in 2015 when he was at Northwest, 16-2 and in two seasons at Gulf Coast. And, and Mike... No, I was just going to say, Mike, You know, we, we talked about the matchup that's happening in Senatobia. You, you go to South Mississippi for this one as well. Two of the preeminent programs in the country... Both of them have been really good. Both of them have been good offensively. We may have to uh, check the bulbs on the scoreboard before this one starts on Saturday. Man, this uh, tradition, and you look at these two teams, East Mississippi, look at the, the, the mark that they've left, the beacon they have been for the MACJC and national championships, uh, five national titles since 2011. They're back in it again, well-balanced, a little bit different for them this year as their their wealth is spread out a bit. They're, uh, uh, they're stronger at the linebacker slot, a little stronger at the defensive back position. But then uh, on the other side of it, boy, Zayas Perryman just does not get the credit he deserves. This guy is one tough customer. I mean, he's given the ball and he'll plow right through it. Same, same goes uh, on the receiving side. For Brownlee, the West Point kid out of high school, uh, out of West Point uh, High School, Here's a guy that can not only catch the ball, but his route running ability is spot on. He runs to the spot, and a lot of times Connor Neville will throw that football to the spot. Mm-hmm. Brownlee is yet to let him down. Well, you know, Mike, I think because of the success of East Mississippi and Northwest and Gulf Coast, so much of the time we, we focus on the ability to win a national championship because it feels bigger than winning a state championship. But when you're talking about the best junior college football in the country and just how difficult it is to even make it to the playoffs, I'm not sure we spend enough time focusing on how hard it is to win a state championship in the MACJC. No doubt. It's the most coveted championship in NJCAA football. Here's why. The talent is so deep. It is the, the coaching in this league is so deep. There are so many assistant coaches in this league that can be head coaches and be effective head coaches, and you've seen that in this league. Then you factor in that these coaches that go out and recruit, they don't miss on out-of-staters. You're only allowed eight out-of-staters. Now, that's changed. It's a, that's a sliding scale here in the last couple of years based on your previous uh, season's record. But you're winning with Mississippi kids, so that means your out-of-staters can't miss. They don't miss. They're, they're D1 studs and future NFL guys. Then the local guys, the relationships that these community college coaches have with the high schools up and down the state, from Senatobia all the way down to Boss Point and everywhere in between is profound. When a high school coach wants to send his student to a community college in Mississippi, he does it. And he, he happily does it because he knows not only the talent that is on these fields, but also the education that you get out of a community college and the looks you get from scouts. So, yes, the MACJC championship, the conference title, is so hard to get to, Richard, let alone to win it. Look at what Mississippi Gulf Coast has had to do, had to do uh, here in the last uh, two months. 
They had a really, you know, started out preseason number 12, uh, navigated their way. You go undefeated in this league in the regular season, you're special. That's just a fact. And then you look at how deep this league was. I mean, look at Holmes Community College, giant slayers, took down East Mississippi, took down Northwest. But then here comes Mississippi Delta, who's not a playoff team. They come in and knock out Holmes in a tough contest, and it cost them a playoff spot. So, again, we can go on and on about the depth of how tough it is to win in this league. This year in particular, in 17 years that I've been covering this league, this by far has been the most bizarre and crazy uh, uh, way things have have, uh, finished out here over the last two months. It was truly a wild, wild ride. Two o'clock in Cenotopia for one of the playoff games, one of the semifinal games. Seven o'clock in Perkinston for the other. It's going to be fun. Don't forget, JucoWeekly.org to keep up with all that's happening in the MACJC. We're back to wrap it up with you after this in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.